This is The Winner's Take with host Nelson Rowley Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Esler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck, joined by professional sports better Dave Esler. Just a quick recap. We did go 2-0 on our Major League Baseball best bets, continuing to uh, break down Major League Baseball, give you some college and NFL plays, and now we have the preseason starting for NFL football, so going to continue to get into that. Dave, are you excited? We are, what, three weeks away from football really starting here? No, as far as betting goes, we're already into it, pal. Started technically for me last night with the Patriots and the Texans staying under the total. So, you know, it's just more work to do. I don't, you know, I think I talked before, I find almost sometimes better value in the preseason than I do in the regular season because coaches tell you what they're going to do. So uh, to answer your question, yes, I'm excited to make money. See, for me, I feel like it. the season never officially starts until, like, the team I'm rooting for, so the Packers, for example, play their first preseason. That's when I finally start to get excited for the NFL year. That is actually tonight as we record. It's August 11th. It's a Friday. A lot of the week one preseason games starting to pick up today, tomorrow, Sunday. Obviously, Dave mentioned how there was already a a couple of them. I know last week we had the Hall of Fame game. But yeah, going to keep talking about NFL preseason. But first, Dave, let's jump into our Major League Baseball. We have to break down the Friday and the Saturday slate for you guys. So again, recording here. It's August 11th. It's Friday afternoon. Let's jump right into our first game. First game we're going to look at for Major League Baseball Friday. It's going to be 7-10 Central Time first pitch. Going to be the Los Angeles Angels traveling to Houston, take on the Astros. Reed Detmers on the mound for L.A. and Justin Verlander on the mound for Houston. Houston's favored here, minus 170, total 8.5. Dave, what do you think of for our first game? Yeah, and they should be favored. I mean, I didn't want to jump on the Astros yet because the Angels saw plenty of Verlander when he was in the AL, but the bad news is they're hitting 169 and 160 at-bats. I didn't want to jump on the Astros because the Angels have fallen back to mediocrity. Uh, I didn't want to jump on the Astros because they played in Baltimore Thursday and the Angels had the day off. I didn't want to jump on the Astros because Detmers gave up four runs in both starts against them this year. I didn't want to jump on the Astros because Detmers allowed three in four innings at Seattle last week. But I'm jumping on the Astros for the first five innings on the run line. I mean, Verlander flew back early. All the starters usually do that. The Astros' bullpen didn't, so... And as much as first game back sucks, I, I can't find any value in the Angels. So Houston first five, minus a half a run. Yeah, you kind of said it. I liked uh, Houston a lot here, but it just seemed like the obvious play. But it, it was like the only play. I looked at Houston in the first five on the run line, like you mentioned. And then the other one I looked at just because you said how Detmer's gotten hit by Houston both times. Houston does hit lefties pretty darn well. I kind of don't mind that uh, over four and a half for the Astros team total as well. So I guess the first five on the run line and the Houston team total. I did find a prop for everyone out there. It's going to be a Jeremy Pena prop to get a hit at minus 200. Now, Detmers is a lefty. Pena is batting 312 in his splits against lefties. This game is at home. His splits, home versus road, aren't really that much different. But then when you look at the day versus night, 
He is hitting significantly better at night. And his last seven games, he's batting 333 in the last two weeks. He's batting 286, which is much better than his uh, natural average of 240 here for the entire season. So I do like Jeremy Pena to get a hit minus 200 as well. Fair enough. I saw that, but I just haven't got into props yet today. Second game for tonight's slate. Going to look at a 7-10 Central Time first pitch. Going to be the Milwaukee Brewers traveling to Chicago to take on the White Sox. Corbin Burns going for the Brewers. Michael Kopech going for the White Sox. Milwaukee favored minus 170 in this game. Total also sitting at 8.5. Dave, what are you thinking for game number two? Yeah, 170 might be a little steep, but I'm sure the way Burns has been pitching and and with the name, people are going to like the Brewers. I mean, I suspect we get the typical burn start. Six innings, a few hits, two runs. Uh, and with a rested pen that's been solid, you know, I think maybe the White Sox team total might be a viable option under. I mean, the caveat there is the Brewers got all those stats and seven games at home against the Pirates and the Rockies and still managed to lose three of them. Meaning, you know, the Brewers aren't an auto bet other than the White Sox have no reason to keep playing. And they're also rested and took two or three from the Yankees, but how much an achievement is that anymore, really? And to me, this game's about the two starters if I'm betting. And, you know, I told you what Burns is going to do. Kopech's been all over the map this season. So which one are we going to get? I mean, I really don't know. But I think the safest bet here is the under, uh, regardless of what, uh, who does what. I, you know, I think the Brewers' offense is all that great. And I don't think the White Sox score more than three. So I, I like the under here. Yeah, you mentioned that on the morning show, obviously, this morning, and I agree with you. The one that I came up with, Michael Kopech has been decent. Uh, The Brewers have not seen him this year, haven't seen him much, just in general, being in the AL. I do like the under, but I like the first five under that four and a half. So, I mean, we're pretty pretty close to each other there. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not laying minus 170 with the Brewers on the road. So, uh, you know, if if I have to bet that game, I'm looking elsewhere. Now, I did find a prop here, and the reason it caught my interest was just because normally, Dave, when you're looking at those hitter props, normally if you want to bet it, it's probably minus 200, give or take 20 cents is where you kind of find that sweet spot. Well, Andrew Vaughn is one for three career against Corbin Burns, so we've seen him before and he got a hit. Now, I look at some of his splits – He's actually hitting nearly 260 at home, which is much better than his his overall average. And at night, he's also hitting 265, which is better than his overall average. And then I look at the last seven days, guys hitting 333. Last two weeks, he's hitting 316. And the last month, he's hitting 286, all better than his yearly average of 250. At minus 165 to get a hit, I'm considering the Andrew Vaughn to get a hit minus 165. Yeah, it makes sense as long as we don't get the elite burns that only gives up three hits and none of them to Vaughn. That's but the only I, thing that scares me. It's it's that Burns has the potential to be a you know a no hit threat. Yep, agreed. But minus 165 is you is a pretty good price for somebody just to get a hit. So there's our second game. Look in our third and final game here on this Friday slate going to be a late night west coast game going to be a 9 10 central time baltimore orioles traveling out to seattle to take on the mariners kyle gibson on the mound for the orioles luis castillo on the mound for the mariners currently seattle favored minus 135 in this game total of eight 
Dave, what are you thinking for our final game on the Friday slate? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Baltimore is clinging to first place here in the AL East, so maybe they're getting a little too much respect. But the Mariners have quietly run – they won six straight and I think 15 of their last 20. Uh, Baltimore's wins have come against weaker teams like the Mets and Yankees, so I think Seattle's a very much under-the-betters radar team here. Uh, and they're coming off a series in Houston, uh, Baltimore is, while the Mariners will be rested. So, you know, I look at Castillo um, – He's been feast or famine all year, even though he hasn't seen the Orioles. He's still a bit scary for me to bet on right now, uh, even with the bullpen that's superior down the stretch here. They've they've been elite, and Gibson's been good, not great. Uh, what I really want to do here, though, is look at the first five over, uh, because this park's known as a pitcher's park, uh, so we might get a decent number, but we're going to have ideal weather. It's actually going to be kind of warm uh, in Seattle, which also means the roof is going to be open. Uh, and I think another reason to, to only take it for the first five is the start time. Um, you know, the later innings will bring shadows into the game as it progresses. So, you know, I'm not ready to to go either way with the side, but uh, first five over would be my favorite bet in Seattle tonight. Well, I'm glad you said the first five over because I looked at it and same as you. Luis Castillo, though, historically has been pretty darn good at home and he hadn't seen Baltimore yet this year. Now, on the flip side, Kyle Gibson has seen Seattle. They did beat him around a little bit. We'll see. They've had a lot of guys have had success in them in the past looking at their pitcher versus hitter matchups. I actually kind of like the Seattle team total to go over three and a half. You just look at the fact that they've seen Gibson before. Gibson isn't necessarily throwing the ball the best as he has earlier this season. And there's a lot of guys that have some success against Gibson in his career. I do like that the Seattle team total to go over three and a half, especially when they average about four and a half runs per game. I also leaned with Seattle in the first five. I think Castillo better than Gibson here. And we also forget that Baltimore played last night and now they got to fly all the way to Seattle. So I think there's also a little bit of a rest advantage for Seattle here. Yeah, probably so. I just have a hard time with Castillo. I mean, I don't I don't do well with pitchers that are that are Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. So I'm I'm just I'm not going to try to figure it out. Uh, I'm going to bet that he gives up a couple and, and the first five goes over. Now, I do have two hitter props for this game as well. I, I am looking at J.P. Crawford to get a hit. Now, that is minus 220. So that's probably more on the expensive side for what I'm looking at. But he is six for 12 against Kyle Gibson in his career. And when you look at some of his splits here, I mean, Kyle Gibson is a righty. He's hitting 285 against righties and just 265 overall. You look at the fact that he's home, he's batting over 270, again, which is much about 12 points higher than what he does on the road. At nighttime versus day, not a huge difference. But then I look at his his recents, hitting over 300 the last week, hitting over 302 in the last two weeks and hitting 307 the last month, JP Crawford to get a hit against Kyle Gibson minus the 220. And then I found a second hitter prop going to also be a Mariner. It's a uh, Ty France to get a hit. His is minus 195. Reason why I like Ty France here. He's also three for five against Gibson in his career with a couple of walks. But when you look at his breakdowns at home this season, it's been slightly better. At night, it's been much better. And then you just look at his recents. 333 the last week, 
341 the last 15 days. So he's pretty hot and he's had success against Gibson. I'll take Ty France to get a hit minus 195. Yeah, it sounds good to me. I, I told you earlier, I haven't looked into the props yet. And uh, I may not this week because, you know, we got football going on. So my time's a little limited. So thanks for the heads up. Yeah, so there's a, a few props for you for the Friday slate. Now we're going to move Major League Baseball here. It's going to be August 12th, the Saturday slate. The very first game that we'll be looking at here, it's actually going to be the New York Yankees traveling to Miami to take on the Marlins. You have Nestor Cortez on the mound for the Yankees. You have Sandy Alcantara on the mound for Miami. This is a 310 Central Time first pitch. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking about for this game? Well, I really hate it, but, you know, I mean, both teams are kind of clinging to slim playoff hopes, but the Yankees situation is just so far below expectations that, from a motivational standpoint, I think the Marlins are in a better place. Uh, plus, they get the Yankees, which for a young team like the Marlins, you know, that will that will motivate anybody to to beat the big Bronx guys. And But then we have Alcantara, who's been, you know, basically horseshit this year. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, he's given up four or more earned runs in 12 starts. I don't know that he has done that 12 times in his career. And Cortez has actually shown some cracks, but what I really like here is Cortez strikeouts over. Um, you know, he's had, I think, six or more in three of his last four games, eight in one of them. I'm hoping for a five and a half, but it'll probably be a six and a half. I still like it. But as far as this game, um, I can't touch a side, but I, I would definitely have to reside on the under total for the whole game. So that would be, yeah, I like that one quite a bit. I mean, Miami's a Miami's a pitcher's park as well, so... I'll probably go with Cortez strikeouts over in the under. Yeah, so I'm looking at DraftKings here. Total they have set at Davis seven. That's the that's the total. And Miami currently favored minus one twenty against the Yankees. That's actually where I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take the Miami Marlins in the first five. I know you were bagging on my guy Sandy Alcantara, but actually the last couple months he's been throwing the ball a lot better than I think people would appear because he was pretty bad the first half of the season but it has gotten better as of late Nestor Cortez obviously a lefty made his first start off the IL not too long ago looked good struck out a lot of guys but Miami's in the top five when it comes to hitting an OPS against lefties so I think they might be able to get to Nestor a little bit who he is still building up. I think his first uh, appearance after the IL stint was 65 pitches. So we'll see how how that goes. Now, the Yankees do have a big bullpen ad- advantage on the Marlins, so I will just play Miami in the first five on the money line. That was what I was looking at for our first game here. Yeah, if I was going to bet a side, that would be absolutely what I would do for all the reasons you mentioned. Now, looking at our second game of the Saturday slate for August 12th, it's going to be the St. Louis Cardinals traveling to Kansas City right across the river to take on the Kansas City uh, Royals here. Dave, what are you thinking for this one? We have Steven Matz on the mound for the Cardinals. We have Cole Reagans on the mound for the Royals. 6-10 Central Time first pitch. Right now we have a Cardinals team favored, minus 170, total of 9.5. Yeah, I mean, there's no way Matt should be minus 170. I mean, I know the Royals are back to lose him, but they, I do, they arguably have the better pitcher with the biggest upside here with Reagans. I mean, you know, he's always struck out more than a batter in inning. He's given up two runs and three starts with the Royals. He struck out 19 in his last two starts. So, you know, based on what he did with Texas, 
he probably ought to be taking a P test, but I can almost say the same thing about Matt's is giving up two runs in four starts. So I'm not going to overthink this one. I'm simply taking the first five under. Yeah, I looked at it and I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Kansas city Royals on the run line. I, I know they're the home team here, but I, I dug through Matt's and he's historically been worse on the road. Reagan's has never seen the Cardinals before. So there's a little advantage there for Kansas city. When Kansas city hits, they hit lefties better than righties. It's the exact opposite for the Cardinals. Both of these guys are left-handers, but I dug into it a little bit and Steven Matz threw 103 pitches against Colorado last time out. The last time he threw over a hundred pitches, the very next start, he gave up six earned runs in four innings and had a blow-up start. The thing that makes me a little nervous is that Reagans also threw over 100 pitches, and I dug into him. He has never thrown over 100 pitches in the big leagues, so we don't have any you know, any uh, data on that. So I guess I would lean with Kansas City here. I would take Kansas City on the run line. Both bullpens have been pretty even, but I would maybe look at that over just because both pitchers going over 100 pitches, which is uncharted territory for both of them, and one of them already has documented disasters going over 100 pitches. I'll go with the Kansas City Royals on the run line plus that one and a half, and then I will look potentially at the over. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't go to a side there with two teams that basically don't give a shit right now. I mean, but I can see your case for the over. That's Those are very valid points, I, which is why I, I simply went with the first five. I think the lack of familiarity will get him through three or four, and hopefully the, the fifth isn't a blow-up inning like it can be. I like what I like, and I think I think the first five under is the safe bet. So there you go. That's our second game for the Saturday slate. Final game here for the Saturday slate. Going to be an 8.05 Central Time first pitch. Going out to the West Coast, going to be the Texas Rangers traveling to San Francisco to take on the Giants. Andrew Heaney on the mound for the Rangers. Alex Cobb going for San Francisco. Looking at the current lines, let's see if we got them here. Uh, We have, it looks like, minus 110, minus 110, total 8.5. Dave, what are you thinking for our final game on this Saturday slate? Yeah, I mean, you know, Heaney's off back-to-back five-plus inning shutouts, but against Miami and the White Sox, so take that and the Giants are notoriously good against left-handed pitching and the Rangers definitely have a recent performance bullpen advantage Friday obviously notwithstanding uh Cobb's off a bad performance at Oakland but at home this season he's been unbeatable his ERA at home is 1.46 I mean that's tough to bet against and I wonder if it can really be that easy but I'm just going to go ahead and throw out the pens uh and 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 add in the Giants ability to hit left-handed pitching with Cobb at home and, and and bet the Giants first five without any hesitation. Yeah, you, you mentioned how Heaney had pitched pretty well. I would look at the potentially the under in this game at eight and a half just because it's a bigger ballpark. Alex Cobb has been really, really good at home. Andrew Heaney has been pretty good just in general. But if I did have to pick the side, I would also go with San Francisco because let's not forget that Heaney spent time with the Dodgers, which is obviously interdivision with San Francisco. And he also spent time in across the city in L.A. for the Angels, which when you play, 
you know, West versus West, you're going to be seeing the Angels more if, if you're the Giants. And now he's pitching for the Rangers and he's got him on the docket. They've seen a lot of Andrew Heaney and some of these guys have had some decent success. So I guess I would look at the under eight and a half runs. And then for a side, I would look at the Giants. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we agree. I just had to take the uh, the Rangers bullpen out of the equation because they have been very good lately. But I'm inclined to agree with the under there as well. As you said, it's a it's a definitely a pitcher friendly ballpark. And there you go. That is the Major League Baseball slates for August 11th, the Friday, and then also Saturday, August 12th. Dave, moving for football, I know you rattled off some preseason games for everybody on Monday. I don't know if you wanted to quickly list those here real quick, too. Yeah, I mean, I could do that. And, and honestly, I don't remember. But, you know, I'm looking at today's board and, and, and Denver's now up to a six point favorite over Arizona. Um, I, I wouldn't lay six in an exhibition game. I'm not sure I'd lay six on the road in a in a regular season game. But Denver's going to win that game, and I think the instinctive thing to do would be go ahead and, and oh, who can I tease Denver with? If it'll be a book, we'll let you tease uh, preseason. Or who can I money lane parlay with them? You know, oh, I'm going to take the Dodgers. Well, you know, the Dodgers are facing a left-handed pitcher, but I want to go back and, you know, if you like them to win, like them to win. I bet him earlier this morning at minus 200. I think it's up to minus 240, but they're going to win. And if you followed early week line moves, everybody was all over the Giants at the Lions tonight. And uh, I, I I beg to differ. Uh, I think the Lions are the, are, the, are the bet in that game. And the same could be said about the Falcons and the Dolphins. I mean, they were all over the Falcons. And, and now they're buying back. I, I, I like Miami to get that done at home. And I also like the over in that game. I bet it at 36. It's up to 37. Uh, but I still think it's 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 good to go. It opened 36. And like all the tickets, all 94% of the tickets in the, and are on the under. And, and yet that line is still a pretty solid painted 37. So I'm going to go ahead and take the over in that game. So those will probably be my NFL bets for Friday. So there you go. There's some NFL preseason bets from Dave. And if you're looking for even more NFL bets, we did do them in our podcast. If you wanted to go back to Monday and go back and find them, Dave rattle off. I think it was about five picks for the upcoming NFL preseason games. Dave wanted to break down a win total, and this is a college football win total for the Wisconsin Badgers. I know, obviously, I'm out of uh, Wisconsin, specifically Madison, have a lot of listeners in this area. Right now, you can find a win total for the Wisconsin Badgers at eight and a half. What would you say if you had to make a bet on the Wisconsin Badgers win total at eight and a half? Well, I love my friends in Wisconsin. I really do. But how much of that is based on Luke Fickle and all the turnovers and, and player personnel and what he's done at Cincinnati and yada, 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 and Tanner Mordecai this. I mean, I'm, I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm going to take the under, and I apologize in advance if anybody in Wisconsin unfollows me, but you know, Mordecai had some pretty good stats. You know, let's let's not overlook that. Yes, he did. But he transferred from Oklahoma because he wasn't good enough there. Uh, and he played at SMU. Uh, that's where he padded those stats. SMU. Let me reiterate, SMU. They play teams such as 
Memphis, teams such as Tulane, UConn, I forget who else is in that conference, Cincinnati, uh, Navy, South Florida, Temple. Um, you know, where's the defense? I mean, those games, if you follow them all week, all year on a Saturday, you know, most of those games are 42 to 35. So, you know, I'm not sure that Mordecai is ready for uh, power five football, if you will. Um, he may be, he may well be, but, you know, to take a, a whole, you know, to, to, to basically flip the script on, on the way an offense runs with, um, you know, a lot of his players, a lot of the old players, uh, I think that's going to take some time. And then, you know, I look at what, look at Fickle, um, and in his first year at Cincinnati, they were a four and eight team and, you know, he took over a train wreck. Now, Wisconsin wasn't exactly a train wreck, maybe by uh, Madison standards they were, but, you know, they they were okay. But, you know, it took him a couple of years to get Cincinnati going well. And then if you look at, okay, well, what did, what did Fickle do in, you know, big games against Power 5 teams? Well, you know, when they were in 2020, when they went 9-1 and 2021, uh, they were 13-1. and one. Well, who were their losses? One in the Peach Bowl, one in the Cotton Bowl, two, Alabama and Georgia. So, you know, I I guess what I'm saying is that that win total, I think, is all based on hype, on the media, on expectations. And, you know, I don't hear anybody talking about the other side of the coin. So I'm going to take the other side of the coin. I think it'll be a good year. I mean, if you look at their schedule, yeah, they opened up, um, you know, they got to travel to uh, – to Washington State and everybody's saying, well, you know, well, Washington State isn't that bad, um, you know, on the road at Purdue. I mean, you know, they could be two and two, uh, three and two after five games. And, you know, then the fun starts. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to go ahead and and uh, and take the under there. I, I just uh, I don't want to follow the masses over the cliff. And for your sake and your listeners sake, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. I'm I'm and, not only and, gonna, and I'm watching I'm watching you laugh waiting for me to stop talking. I'm going to follow everybody over the cliff and I'm going to actually lead it. I would take the over eight and a half. I'm looking at it and you know Graham Mertz had a lot of hype, but he didn't live up to it. Man, he was actually probably one of the more disappointing quarterbacks they've had in a long time. And when you factor in expectations, I get it's the first year and I know they're bringing in transfers like a Tanner Mordecai, a CJ Williams, you know, some of these bigger names from bigger power five schools. And maybe it takes a little bit to mesh at first, but I mean, you still have some of the really good players that were on this team last year, like a lot of the guys on the offensive line, like Braylon Allen, the running back, Ches Malusi, uh, Skylar Bell, Chimray DK, some of the better players, they didn't lose a ton. The defense is still going to be pretty decent. And you mentioned the first four games. Well, Buffalo is no good. Washington State, yeah, it's at Washington State, but they beat Wisconsin in Madison last year. I think there's going to be a lot of revenge on the players' minds. And that was probably one of the worst Badger games I've ever witnessed under Paul Chris. It, it was definitely up there top five when they lost to Washington state at home, Georgia Southern should be a win. You mentioned Purdue. I know they were good last year, but let's not forget. They have a first year head coach. Brom is no longer there. Brom went back to Louisville. Rutgers should be a win. And then you get into the 
what are the big games on the schedule? Well, it's going to be Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State, and Minnesota, in my opinion. And Illinois, questionable at, at quarterback. Iowa, offense should be better, but I'll believe it when I see it. Ohio State's going to be good. I don't care if they lost their quarterback and a lot of pieces. They always retool. Then there's Minnesota, and whenever it feels like Minnesota should beat Wisconsin, they don't. And then whenever it feels like Wisconsin should blow Minnesota out, they don't either. So uh, I think 9-3 and three is, is a pretty solid floor for Wisconsin. I feel like with the players they brought in, the players they retained, and the soft schedule – I think nine and three is realistic expectation to have for this season. I'm not asking for 11 and one or 12 and oh, or I think nine and three is pretty realistic. Yeah, you might be right. I'm going to have to check with my Iowa friends since they're the new wave of gamblers. I was reading in the news um, what they think before I underscore it. But um, I'm, I'm, you know, the schedule wise. Yeah. The, the, the wins are there, but execution, I'm going to have to wait and see. I really am. I mean, I'm honestly, as a as a Badger fan, I'm glad it's Buffalo, Washington State, Georgia Southern, Purdue, Rutgers, your first five, because on paper, you should win all of them. But like you said, when you have all those players and they're brand new, it's a brand new coaching staff system, it's going to take time. Thankfully, those are the first five games where arguably the toughest one on paper is at Washington State. Yeah, you just wonder if they get fat and happy, you know, and Probably not going to lose to Rutgers, but that game could be closer if they're looking ahead the following week to Wisconsin. And the same thing I could almost say about the Illinois game. They're looking ahead the following week to Ohio State. So, you know, that's your window of make or break, I think. All right, Dave, that'll be it for our NFL and college football picks here for the podcast. Real quick before we're out of here, can I get a best bet out of you from Major League Baseball today? Well, I probably shouldn't give you one because you informed me that we've won about five in a row. And, and you know, having said that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very leery to go ahead and do that. Um, but if you want to make me pull one off the table, let's see. What do we got here? Um, boy, uh, probably the Giants in the first five innings tomorrow. All right, you're down. You are in Giants first five. Booking? Are you booking that for me? Minus one ten. Yep, you're you're in. You're down. And cool. uh, I'll go. I'll go with two here, Dave. I do like the Houston team total over the four and a half tonight. Obviously, that's Friday, August eleventh. And then tomorrow, I'm gonna go with the fish. I'm gonna roll with the Marlins in the first five against the Yankees and Nestor Cortez. So there we go. Our three best bets for Major League Baseball for this podcast. It's going to be the Houston Astros team total over four and a half Friday night. And then Saturday, Dave's going to go with the San Francisco Giants on the money line in the first five innings. And I'm going to take the Miami Marlins in the first five innings on the money line as well. That'll be it for the podcast. Going to be back here again Monday. And Dave, we're going to continue to knock down some Major League Baseball. Going to really start to get into football more and more as these podcasts progress through august but uh if you want to find any more of our content you can find me on twitter at rowdy underscore razor you can find dave at dave underscore essler you can also find some of his work at pregame.com again just want to ask everybody to continue to download listen rate subscribe share it with your friends we're continuing to get bigger and bigger and bigger that the podcast gets, the more things that we can do and the more content can continue to bring 
Like I know we have a big fan base, obviously in Wisconsin, we have another one in New York. So maybe we could come up with like a giants and jets NFL futures for their teams. But yeah, the, the bigger our fan bases get, we can maybe uh, tailor it a little bit more to them or something like that. We'll figure it out, but uh, please. Yeah. Just uh, continue to download, listen, rate, and subscribe. And we'll be back here for Monday. But until then, let's continue to make some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at MadCitySportsZone.com. In the Zone app or wherever you get your podcasts, listen, rate, subscribe.